0: At what point did you know being out could come with risks? So, in the mid-90s, there was the killing of Matthew Shepard. That was kind of frightening
1: that uh, was all over the news. You see a lot of stories of particularly trans people of color who have been violently attacked and murdered. And I think that has really brought a reality early on in my journey. I didn't see
2: as clearly. I was walking downtown with a friend and someone
0: drove by in a truck and yelled the F word at us. Those memories of dealing with insecurity and trying to hide those certain things, it all comes flooding back. From KXAN News, this is Catalyst, an investigative podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hinkle. that has been said countless amounts of times um, what's at stake in this 88th legislative session. This season is a companion to our Outlaw Project, exploring a record number of laws proposed in 2023 at the state capitol that would restrict LGBTQ plus Texans.
3: Stop puberty
1: blockers, cross-sex hormones, and mutilating surgeries. Sexually explicit content has no place in schools.
0: Our journalists share how they work to make fair, objective coverage decisions and how their own experiences shape their reporting. How we perceive the world and how we're going to be able to talk about it. Including when they realized being out could be dangerous. For me, it was almost two decades ago, June 5th, 2004.
2: You're watching KOMU News at 10.
1: The family of an MU student killed over the weekend reaches out to Columbia residents.
0: By afternoon, this area was swarming with spectators. Neighbors found Jesse Valencia's box. That last voice was mine. 2003, 2004. I'd recently dug through a box of old DBC Pro and beta tapes. Footage I'd saved from when I was a brand new reporter, working at a TV station in Columbia, Missouri. I was 23 the same age as the college student found dead on an East Campus lawn.
1: 2005. Yep. I
0: I remember walking into work that early summer day, hearing the police scanner's scattered messages, enough to confirm between noisy static, the awful scene unfolding. I grabbed a camera and tripod and hurried out the door. It was my first big story, one I'd stay on for the next year. Neighbors found Jesse Valencia's body here between these two houses, barefoot, dressed only in a pair of shorts, his throat slashed. Even with more than 300 tips and 85 leads, police still search for a suspect, and they hope that passing out these flyers will help them catch a killer.
2: Our detectives are making an effort to talk to every individual who may have been with the victim in the days prior to the crime being committed.
0: The victim and I had more in common than our age. Like me, Jesse Valencia was also gay.
2: community for help. While police won't call it a hate crime, they do say the fact
0: the victim was gay may help solve the case. KOMU's Josh Hinkle reports Jesse
1: Valencia's parents say they won't rest until their son's killer is found.
0: We first heard the voice of Linda Valencia, the mother who wanted answers more than anyone.
1: I couldn't care less if he was gay or or what. But I I knew every detail of Jesse's life. There's nothing I didn't know. There's nothing he didn't tell me.
0: Police quickly realized the missing piece of the puzzle might be closer than they had hoped.
1: A Columbia police officer is in protective custody tonight after he threatened to hurt himself. KOMU's Josh Hinkle joins us with more information on how this incident ties in with the death of an MU student.
0: Police now identify Steven Rios as the officer on leave from the department because of his personal relationship with homicide victim Jesse Valencia. Around 6 last night, Steven Rios called Columbia Police to say he had a shotgun and planned to hurt himself police spoke to rios for several hours on the phone before taking him into protective custody police chief randy Bame now admits rios suicidal actions indicate a direct relation to the homicide
2: i think it's very clear to everyone that uh, part of the reason for the developments that occurred last night are related
0: rios arrested valencia on april eighteenth for obstructing a government operation in connection with a peace disturbance at a late night party in East Campus. That was apparently the first time the men met. Friends say that meeting escalated into an affair between Valencia and the married officer. Weeks prior to the homicide, Valencia's mother says a police officer constantly harassed her son at work, at home, and on the road.
1: My son was loved and he called me almost daily. And we talked about everything. This police officer was calling my son his last name was rio he had came to his apartment one night and knocked on the door and said that he wanted to talk to him about uh his arrest then jesse said after he got inside that he started talking about random everyday things talking about that he wanted to be more than a friend with jesse and jesse said that he just kept showing up he said, this guy has really gotten out of hand. He is following me everywhere I go. He calls me on the phone. He, he he has come to my workplace. He was just harassing him to the point that my son was afraid of him. God, if I had known, if I had known, I would have, have called him myself. I would have caught him myself and told him, but I didn't know that that this was going to happen.
0: The affidavit confirms Rios did have a sexual relationship with the victim, based on conversations investigators had with him. According to witnesses, something sparked Jesse Valencia to tell Rios he would talk to police about their relationship. Crime lab test results found Rios' DNA under Valencia's fingernails. Police searched Officer Rios' home Friday. The affidavit says police do have reason to believe the evidence of the homicide was concealed inside Rios' home. Rios remains in protected custody in a mental care facility. He resigned from the police department yesterday.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for that report, Josh. Governor Holcomb. A dramatic development tonight, a Columbia police officer with ties to a murdered MU student threatens to jump from a parking garage. He escaped around 710 tonight, ended up on the ledge of the fifth floor of the parking garage here at Maryland Avenue. This is all
0: because of an association that he had with a slain University of Missouri student, Jesse Valencia. 167984 State versus Rios. Rios faces two felony counts, first degree murder and armed criminal action.
1: Stephen Rios appeared in court state Jesse
0: Valencia's mother, Linda Valencia, sitting quietly in the back of the courtroom, clutching pictures of her murdered son.
1: <laughs> this is very hard for me and for my family. <laughs> fate of the former Columbia Police Officer Steven Rios is in the hands of the jury. A year of
0: struggle, secrets and emotion come down to today. The defense called its last two witnesses, man and wife for three years, the defendant Steven Arthur Rios and his wife Libby. She broke down when telling jurors about the moment she heard her husband had threatened suicide just hours after admitting his affair with the victim to her, something for which she says she has never forgiven him. When Rios took the stand, he admitted hiding the affair from Libby and lying to police about the relationship with Valencia. He said he didn't want anyone to find out he had too much to lose. It's been almost a year for the entire case, and tomorrow, possibly, we'll find out from the jury if they agree with the prosecuting attorney's poignant words in his closing argument. Steven Rios used his badge for sex and used his knife to forever close the mouth of Jesse Valencia.
2: This is KOMU News at 6.
1: I know Jesse's in heaven, I love you, Jesse. And it's over. We got him. The jury has spoken. Stephen Rios will spend the rest of his life in prison. It took the jury just nine hours to find former Columbia police officer Stephen Rios guilty in the June 2004 murder of his lover...
0: Steven Rios broke down several times after the judge read the verdict, looking over at his family and placing his head in his hands.
1: To take a young boy out and cut his throat and kill him and murder him and take him away from his family because he was worried about his sexual orientation, because he was worried about his wife finding out about it, that that's inhuman. son was like losing a part of my heart. I miss him very much and that I wish I could have taken his place.
2: Now throughout this long process Mr. Rios and the Rios family and Libby have held steadfast to the core belief of Stephen's innocence. There will be an appeal and the family ultimately believes that Stephen will be vindicated by that appeal.
0: After the trial, I wrote Stephen Rios a letter asking for an interview. In the box of tapes with old newscast clips, I'd also saved what he sent back. Handwritten from his cell in a Fulton, Missouri prison.
1: A Columbia police officer convicted of murdering an MU student speaks on camera for the very first time in an exclusive interview.
0: Rios contacted me by mail three weeks after his trial.
2: It's hard for any person, let alone a husband and father, to come to work one day and find their life totally
0: changed. It's it's still unbelievable. There will be a different outcome. This case isn't about me, it's about Jesse.
2: No one can reduce their life to, to one moment. Feel guilt and responsibility for certain things. Did you kill Jesse Valencia? No, I did not. Like I said, I didn't have any involvement in Jesse's murder. The same person that took his life took my life.
0: There's a strong enough word to describe having to go through something like that to defend your life, to defend your name, to go through that with your family and your friends. That was something that we had to deal with in order to fight the charges against me. Rios was eventually granted a retrial after an appeals court ruled hearsay statements made during the first trial were inadmissible. A new jury found him guilty of armed criminal action and second-degree murder. The lesser conviction means he could be eligible for parole someday. His other appeals failed. His marriage ended. And his son, an infant at the time of the murder, is now an adult. I've kept up with the case over time, and even reconnected with someone else from back then. Hello. Hello, Linda. It's Josh Hinkle. How are you? Last year, I found Jesse Valencia's mother, Linda, on Facebook, long before I thought about talking to her for this podcast. It's so good to hear your voice. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. I had something I'd wanted to share with her for a while. So when we met almost 20 years ago in Columbia, Missouri, I was just a journalist starting out. (laughs) What your family was going through was something that I had never experienced before as a reporter or in life.
1: I felt so comfortable with you, and I didn't feel like you were trying to push me into talk or anything, you know, about anything that was going to make me uncomfortable.
0: One of the things that struck me was how close you were with your son. What an honest relationship that was. Would you mind sharing how you found out that Jesse was gay?
1: Well, he was pretty young when he first said something to me about it. He was probably right around eight or, or nine years old when he first told me that he didn't like girls. And, and at first I thought he was just saying they got on his nerves <laughs> or whatever. And so he really didn't say too much more about it until he was like 16. He told his dad that he wanted to talk to both of us about something very important. And we talked about it, you know, for a long time that day. I accepted him fully, however he wanted to live his life. I mean, that's what I wanted him to do because I wanted him to be happy.
0: Were you ever worried for his safety because he was gay?
1: It always made me nervous. And when he said that he wanted to go to college in Missouri, and I kept thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to be there to protect him. I was so concerned that something was going to happen, which it did.
0: I know it's still tough to talk about all these years later, but what I have always wondered, because we learned Jesse was involved in a secret relationship with a married police officer, there was right. a sense, it seems, that that man felt he needed to hide things because being with a gay man, your son, yes. o- openly mm-hmm. would not have been okay.
1: Gay people, they should be able to live their lives the way that they want. To. Who is anybody in this world to judge anybody else? on their life. With Rios, he was so upset over his wife finding out about his. I mean, it's it's horrible, and I I hate it. Well,
0: what I remember about your family back then was how kind and willing to speak with me you were, especially you. And I know you Mm -hmm. were being hounded by a lot of reporters, but I felt like Maybe you saw something in me that I was still figuring out myself.
1: I did, and I knew, I wouldn't have never said anything to you about it, but I don't know. I just had a feeling about you.
0: Back then, I'd just come out to some friends and was struggling to figure out how to tell my own parents.
1: That's got to be hard. I just wish I could talk to anybody's parents that has a, a gay child and just tell them, you know... Uh, <laughs> All they need to do is just sit down and listen and try to understand it from their point of view.
0: I have definitely thought about your family a lot over these years. Every story I've (laughs) covered where someone's lost a loved one, I learned so much from your compassion about how to act and how to treat people in those moments. But I was also inspired by the love and acceptance you had for your son. That summer, I came out to my mom and dad, and I have you and Jesse to thank for helping give me the guts to take that step and hope you understand you made a difference in my life as an out gay man and as a journalist.
1: For the gay people that have to hide it all the time and still haven't told their families or their parents, it makes me sad because I know it's hard on them and, and it makes them unhappy. I wish uh, all parents would be at the understanding.
0: Understanding can be a long road for some. I've had a lot of support, but coming out didn't make everything easier. I've learned to navigate that as a journalist, though I've received hateful emails about my voice, the way I look, how gay I seem. It doesn't happen much anymore. Maybe today people are more accepting, or at least understanding but not everyone. This summer, I was crossing the street in a small town in East Texas when a man in a pickup at a stoplight revved his engine, rolled down his window, and yelled at me, get out of here, faggot. (sighs) Hadn't heard that one in a while. How are you? Good. How was your drive? Talking to Linda Valencia made me want to do the same with my own parents for this podcast. I'm Josh. We have a reservation in here. Yes. Oh, great. Thanks. Thank you. So we met up for lunch one weekend. Perfect. All right.
1: Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Say your name and tell me where
3: you're from. Melissa Hinkle from Seminole, Oklahoma.
2: And Steve Hinkle from Seminole, Oklahoma. Okay.
0: I'm ready to start. So I knew I was different than the other boys when I was growing up, where we lived, being gay was not okay, and I just tried to hide it, and you're just taught to do that. Church, school, everywhere. I know you were aware, we just kind of avoided it, and for me, I was worried what you'd think, so I just pushed that part of me to the side, and I just really wasn't ready, That's why it was so important for me to move away and find out how I could be comfortable with myself before being that for anyone else. And I guess that's what I was doing when I went to Missouri.
3: I knew that you would come across a lot more people with different ideas or beliefs than you'd grown up around, but that's just part of the work that you want to do.
0: Do you remember me telling you about the case in the summer of 2004. I hadn't been reporting for that long, but it was the first big story I'd covered really, the Jesse Valencia murder case. Yes. Yep. What do you remember?
3: I remember it was a really, really big case that had a lot of media attention from other places. And it was kind of a hot button issue at that time because I think a lot of things like what happened Jesse were starting to come more to the forefront of people's knowledge in general, you know, with a gay person. And
2: like mom said, it was one of those high profiles, but this was kind of in front of everybody laid out there so everybody could see it. This could be their kid or their brother or something like that. And it made made a difference in a few people. I got to know
0: his mom really well in the days after it happened. She knew he was gay and she accepted it and loved that about him. And that kept popping up in my mind that I wanted that. I was tired of not being able to be open about my life with you for whatever reason. So that's why I invited you two to Missouri. I was nervous and I rehearsed it in my head over and over. And when it came time, I honestly felt like I had jumped off a cliff. I remember kind of just blurting it out when you were sitting in the living room of my apartment, Mom, Dad, I'm gay.
3: When we were driving up there, we pretty much had figured out that's the reason we were invited. But when you told us, I think my first reaction was um, I was fearful for your safety because the area of the country that we live in, I think people can be more hard on people that are different. I was concerned more than anything else about your safety.
2: We went through a period after that where there wasn't a whole lot of communications between me and you. and That wasn't because of you, that was because of me. And it took me a little bit of time to figure it out. It was something that you were born with and there wasn't going to change anything, you know. But I think since then, we've had a fairly good relationship after that overall, that fear that you talked about, has that changed? Oh, yeah,
3: I think so. We're members of a conservative political party. And some of the extreme people in our party, you know, get real righteous or something, you know, about that issue. But I think the majority of people that we know, like by far, don't have any problem with gay people. So I I think it really has changed as more people have told about their personal life experiences, you know, that someone else could identify with and everything. We've had two or three people at church come up to us because they knew we had a gay son and mentioned, you know, that I think my grandson might be gay. But I don't know what to think, you know, and we've been able to talk to him about it doesn't change anything about him. It doesn't change the fact that you love him.
0: Well, it hasn't been the perfect path, but it wasn't impossible. And I think You're right. We're in a good place today, and I'm happy I came out to you, and I feel like I can be open with you about my life. We may not always agree on everything,
2: and that's okay. Yeah, there's no reason for us to fight. You know, everybody's got different opinions.
0: It can be tough sometimes when the news involves LGBTQ plus issues, because that's my community. And in my job as a journalist, I work to understand all sides of an issue and report the facts, How do you strike that balance yourself? Like you said, you're conservative in many ways and you live in a conservative part of the country, but you're also accepting and supportive when it comes to me and people like me. So,
2: you know, we have learned from that community some things and have been, because of that, even more accepting of different people.
3: I try to, you know, go check out several different news sources so I can at least hear what the opposite side says, you know, to figure out that there's some balance in there in the middle.
2: I think people get so focused on their one or two points that they forget that we are as humans more alike than we are different.
0: Well, I want to say thank you for raising me and putting up with me and loving me, even when it wasn't easy.
2: You're right.
3: (laughs) Thanks for being our son, so (laughs) we're very proud of you. Yeah, we are. we love you.
0: I'm not the only person in my newsroom whose experiences have shaped their reporting. This season on Catalyst, you'll hear from some of them, members of the LGBTQ plus community, and more. It just plays a factor in wanting to do this work and keep doing it well and not come across biased in any way.
1: We wanna make sure that we're not swaying a story one way or another but at the same time, our identity is part of who we are.
0: I also speak with managers leading our newsroom about navigating that intersection and an industry expert focused on topics like this every day. The question I get the most about how to cover LGBTQ issues is how do I walk that balance of, I'm not here to litigate as an activist what we should do, but I also don't want to perpetuate really ugly, harmful stereotypes. Special thanks to KOMU-TV in Columbia, Missouri for allowing use of archive clips for this episode. To explore our full interactive investigation and docu-series that accompany this podcast, go to kxan.com slash outlaw. Catalyst is reported and produced by me, Josh Hinkle, along with Arzo Dost. Our editor is Richie Bose. Digital support comes from Eric Henrickson, Abigail Jones, Jacqueline Ramkasun, Andrew Schnicker, Robert Sims, and Kate Winkle. KXAN's news director is Haley Seihawk, and its vice president and general manager
1: is Eric Glassberg.